Is there such a thing as pandemic learning loss? And are we going to stigmatize an entire generation of children if we think about measuring it? Oh, I don't know. This whole topic as a mama and an educator makes my stomach kind of just roll up in knots. But fear not, today we have an amazing guest expert, Dr. Jamila Nurse Coes. She is the 2014 Georgia Teacher of the Year. She is a passionate educator and special educator. And most importantly, she is a mama of two who is going to talk us through and calm our nerves about this uh, idea of pandemic learning loss. We're so happy that you're here with us today. Welcome to the core. Hello and welcome to the core. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Allen, the owner operator of the Community Classroom, a tutoring and academic coaching center in Florence, Massachusetts that serves students in Western Massachusetts and nationwide. I'm also the 2010 Florida Teacher of the Year, an education nerd, the stepmom to four teens and mama of one toddler, a runner, a lover of dad jokes, and an educator for almost 20 years. In this podcast, we will answer parent questions about education and learning. Welcome to the core. All right, listeners, welcome to today's edition of To The Core. I am super pumped about our conversation today. Uh, with me, we have someone that I greatly admire. Uh, she's brilliant. She's passionate. She's a ball of energy, and she will always make you laugh. I have with us Dr. Jamila Nurse Coes. Welcome, Jamila. Thank you so, so, so much for having me, Megan. It is always a pleasure to talk to you and to engage with you and to pick your brain and to learn from you and just be here with your audience today. Thank you for having me. You've got it, our pleasure. And something super exciting and specific to the Western Massachusetts listeners, uh, Jamila is the new director of the Masters of Arts of Teacher Leadership at Mount Holyoke College. So she's gonna be visiting the Valley soon for the first time. I cannot wait. I hear, so there are lots of beautiful places like in the world, but I hear that Western Mass is one of the most beautiful places. So I cannot wait to enjoy all of that. So I am looking forward to visiting very soon. It's funny that you say it's beautiful. I uh, have been here for six years, moved from Florida, and I, I probably stop on the side of the road probably three or four times a week to take a picture of something that looks like it should be a postcard, See? like a beautiful red barn or like a roadside stand selling yeah. like raw honey and you know, cut your own flowers. It's just, it's just gorgeous. You're going to love it. I cannot wait. So switching from a light topic to kind of a heavier topic that's on a lot of our minds. And Jamila, I know in addition to being an educator, uh, you also are a mom of two. So you can relate to this topic as a parent as well. But mm -hmm. today's parent question, it actually comes from a New York Times article in April. But the question is, does it hurt children to measure pandemic learning loss? Mm -hmm. So are we stigmatizing an entire generation by measuring any kind of learning loss or unfinished learning from the pandemic, uh, which we are still in? So I'll pause there, Jamila, uh, and would love to hear your thoughts on that question. Yeah. So here's the thing. Over the last year and a half at this point, mm, Kids have learned a whole lot. Um, I think in many ways they learned a lot more than they would have in a traditional classroom. Um, and I think that we can't negate that element. So for example, like my eight-year-old has learned how to cook. 
because you know, look, I'm not cooking for you every day. You home all day, you're gonna <laughs> learn how to do something, right? Like she learned, she's learned how to cook, she's learned how to clean, she's learned how to iron, like she's learned a lot of she's learned how to paint. Like, look, I, somebody had to do the deck, right? Um, so like she's learned all of these other skills in addition to like the developmental things that just come along with being um in our society, uh, that that she would not have necessarily learned in the classroom space. She's also learned like things that I would have never taught. Like she she goes, um, she has had time to like do nature walks, right? Um, and she goes down to the creek and she's like, I want to check the pH balance in the creek. And I'm like, okay, girl. So like, um, there's all of this learning that she did um, that I appreciate and I value in ways that I that that I that that traditional education doesn't always lend itself to in such a natural way. Um, she she found like natural interests. She found um, ways. She found uh, creative ways to connect with her friends. Like it's not like she had at one point like they were doing what we used to do in in the in the in the olden days, right? Pen pals. Um, but she would have me like dropping off letters to the mailboxes of her friends and they would write back and forth um, because they couldn't see each other. And I'm like, you know, we can just video chat. And she's like, no, mom, this is the new way to do it. Um, writing letters rather than video chatting. So new way, <laughs> the new way, the new way to do it. So, um, so I think that uh, it also offered her an, an opportunity to think in more creative or less creative. I don't know if that's more creative or less creative, but in ways that she doesn't traditionally think. Um, so um, when it comes to academic, I think that um, what students didn't learn, they will catch up. If it is truly important to their academic well-being, um, they will catch up. And I say that because I think it's now is also an opportunity for teachers to think about the things that they are teaching and whether or not they are actually valuable to the education of the students. Like what now in our curriculum can we say, you know what, this isn't all that important. This isn't that foundational to all of the other things that they will learn. This isn't essential to their critical thinking. Um, what are those things that teachers can now look at their curriculum and decide to do something different so that students can feel as prepared as they need to feel like they're going to progress be successful throughout their educational career and beyond. Yeah, I love that kind of strengths mindset to looking at what kids have learned outside of school during the pandemic, but also thinking about how could we use this time to recalibrate what's happening inside our schools. Um, and there's a, there seems to be a real opportunity for districts and states to think about that. The question is, like, Will they? Do they have that space or, or time or ability? Um, and I'm thinking about how that plays out with, um, I know President Biden not too long ago made an announcement for states that even if they didn't do their standardized assessments in, two, in 2020, that they should be thinking about reinstating those in 2021. So how do we, how do we make those things balance? Um, and do states and districts actually have an opportunity to recalibrate what's happening inside a classroom? Mm -hmm. That is that is essential. Do teachers have or educators have time, tools, and training to do the things that we are being that, that we are now asking them to do? And if I'm honest, I feel like 
they have the they have the tools, and by tools I mean like resources, particularly funding, because there's lots of federal funding coming in. Time, time is always a thing that we are up against. Training is where I am most nervous. I think the educators now have the most resources. I don't know that they have um, a tool belt of strategies or ideas or creativity to pull from in order to do something different. And that's that's what worries. I think that it's going to be incumbent upon parents as much as possible and community members as much as possible to voice what they think education should look like. Um, and that's difficult when you don't like understand all of the various moving parts in education, but as much as possible for parents and community members to engage in um, any thought circles that come up in, in, in their communities, um, any ideas that they have, even if they think their ideas are ridiculous or they don't make sense or whatever it is, just be bold enough to share those ideas because if, even if they don't use that exact idea, maybe they will use an idea like it or similar to it or it will jog a different sort of idea. Um, but I think the resources, the tools are there uh, as the federal government begins to say, hey, you know, we, we, we can do something different in education. We should do something different in education, especially over um, thinking about what has happened. Um, I think this is the very first year that IDA will be funded fully. So wow. students with this, right, ever, ever in the history of the law. Like, Exciting and very sad at the same time. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so it will be fully funded. But here's the thing. If districts don't know how to use that money well, then it, the funding, like, we're not going to get any, the results won't be different. As a parent, standardized test coming next year, 2021, um, looking at some of the research, there was one piece of research um, from policy analysis for California education, and they looked at 98,000 students. This was last fall. And they found that with second graders, um, they were 26% behind where they should have been at that point in the school year. And with third graders, they were almost 33% behind. And that was almost a year ago. Um, so as a parent, I've got standardized assessments on the brain that's coming up. Um, should we be testing our kids, knowing that research says they're all going to kind of be behind? What, what would you do as a parent? What do you think? Oh, <laughs> I, so this, this is actually my daughter's, it will be her first, she's in third grade. It will be her first year to take a traditional standardized, the, the standardized test that, um, that all of the, like it's their first gateway, right? And I, I, here's the thing. I don't mind a test. Take a test. See what happens on the test. What I do mind is the way that we use the test and what we glean from. What, what are we, why are we using this test? Are we using it to say that teachers aren't performing? Are we using it to say that our students are deficient? What is, what is behind the use of the test? So. That for me is always an ongoing question and questions that I will continue to ask before I let my child sit in um, what for her will be seven days of Whoa. standardized testing. Exactly. Excessive. Um, so, and it's not all day, of course, it's like three hours a day, but for seven days, that's still a lot of days. Um, so, especially when you're I, eight. When you're eight, right? I'm like, look, we can go, we can like take a trip. Okay. <laughs> like, 
We don't have to do this test. We know you might be a little bit behind, but I think that just like if, if people are just interested in knowing where their students are, it's important for us to understand why you want to know that. Um, and what, what are you using that data for? Because it doesn't mean that your child is deficient. It means that they don't know this thing that's on this test on this day, right? Um, that's all that it means. So I think that we use testing to be more than what it is. Um, and I just caution people against. Yeah, my hope, you know, knowing that we've had over a year, what, how many months of, in, of interrupted learning, um, missed gaps in instruction, unfinished learning, like our kids, if we're looking at like benchmarks and standards, it would only make sense that the majority of them are behind, whatever behind means, right? Whatever arbitrary benchmark we've said. Mm -hmm. I just, I keep going back and forth with the purpose of a standardized assessment. Are we gonna use that this upcoming year to say, all right, like we need to recalibrate where everybody is because we're all like 75% of our kids are, are behind. Mm -hmm. Or are we gonna use that to like, you know, I, I taught in Florida. So if a kid didn't make a certain score on a test, he didn't go on to fourth grade from third right. grade. Like, right. Back to your whole concept of like the purpose of an assessment. So what should we do? What should we be doing? So to stigmatize I, our kids. That's what right. I'm working on. Is this, is this just additional trauma that we're going to add on to our kids? Exactly. I know, I know your daughter, even though she's eight, like she'll know what her score is. Oh, she'll seven. know. <laughs> she will know. She will. She, she, if I let her know, she would know. And I will never let her know. There's no, like, there's no value there. There is no value in her knowing what the number that has been assigned to her for whatever reason. I just don't. I don't think that that's beneficial for her. Um, I think what is beneficial for her is to say, hey, let's work on our vocabulary. Let's work on um, our, 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 our reading comprehension, right? So what are the elements within the test saying that um, we need to, to work on or sure up? But the actual number, no, she's not going to know that. No, there's no good comes of that. And, and here's the thing. And, and the truth is, her number will probably be very high. Still, no good comes with that. Like, I don't want her to have this, like, idea, like, look at me, I am so fantastic, and I am so brilliant, and I am so smart, because this test is said, um, based on whatever number has been set, that I am that. I don't need her to have that either. Like, I will, I will make sure she has all the self-esteem she needs, and I don't want her to just buy that. So, um, yeah, I, I, she won't know the number, but she will know, like, Here's where, here's where you're excelling and here's where we can like do something different. So it sounds like, uh, Dr. Coase, that you are not worried about pandemic learning loss with your daughter. Um, what advice might you give to other parents and caregivers who, who might be worried? All right, if you are worried, I would say a lot of people are in the same exact position, right? Um, worrying is not going to help us. Okay. That's, 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 we, if we can put that to the side for just a second, as much as we can, right. And think about what we can do. Think about where our students' strengths are. Um, think about how we support and encourage their emotional development, because that's, what's going to help us propel their academic development. So if we can make sure that like that's like you're confident, even if you if you still can't read, if you're still confident, 
All right. If I can, if I can make you confident enough to believe that there's nothing you can't learn, there's nothing you can't do eventually, then I think that that is going to be our best, um, our best bet at catching whatever catching up means um, for wherever your student is, um, for catching them up eventually. So to sure up the emotional stability, connections, social, all of those things um, for your child right now. And make them feel invincible. All those life skills that make successful adults. Exactly. <laughs> um, if I could wave a magic wand and change our whole philosophy around education as a nation, I think it would be in essence what you just said, that we shift from this deficit mindset here's the test, here's what you don't know, here's your learning loss, to a strengths-based mindset. You don't know this yet, but here's how we're going to get there. And these are the mm -hmm. skills you need in order, and the mindset you need in order to get yourself there. So mm -hmm. taking that switch from deficit-based to strengths-based, I think mm -hmm. would be what an opportunity we have right now to do that. If, if the districts and states would just listen to us, listen to Megan and Jamila. <laughs> Easy. 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 We solved all of education's problems in these last like 10, 15 minutes, like done. Done. <laughs> um, Jamila, will you let our audience know where they can find you? Oh, absolutely. So I am on Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn, um, at Jamela Cole. So that's at J-E-M-E-L-L-E-H-C-O-E-S, at Jamela Cole. I'm on all platforms. And you can also email me at G-A-T-O-T-Y. 2014 at gmail.com or at jcoles at mtfolio.edu. And that 2014 in your email is because you were the teacher of the year in Georgia for the state of Georgia in the year 2014. Congratulations. Thank you so much. All right, Jamila, um, final words of wisdom for our parent audience. Oh, final words of wisdom. All right. This year, we have an opportunity to help teachers radically imagine something different for education. Be bold in whatever ideas that you have, share whatever ideas that you have, and remember that change doesn't happen overnight. I have a friend, he says, Rome wasn't built in a day, but a brick was laid every day. So think about what brick you will lay today to help your child be successful tomorrow. That is so beautiful. And what a perfect place to end. Uh, Dr. Jamila Nurse Pose, thank you so much for being a guest on today's episode of To The Core. Thank you for having me. All right. And to our audience, um, we'll post some links in the show notes, as well as ways to connect with Dr. Pose. And we look forward to hearing from you um, or being with you, I should say, next Tuesday on To The Core. Thanks, everybody. 